This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just a disclaimer that we recorded this episode on Thursday, the 21st of April and discussed the Twitter takeover bid. And of course, in the nature of Elon Musk, there have been some updates to the news since then. As of this morning, Tuesday, the 26th of April, the updated news is that the Twitter board has unanimously approved Musk's deal to buy out the company at $54.20 a share USD and to take Twitter private. The board is made up of 11 members, including Twitter's co-founder Jack Dorsey, and they have said that they expect the deal to close sometime this year and is subject to approval of Twitter stockholders and regulators. Shares were up again 5.9% at the news that the board had accepted the bid. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your In Good Company, a podcast that makes investing accessible for everyone. I'm Maddie and as always I'm in some very good company with my co-host Sophie. Hi Mads, in the same room tonight with a glass of wine. (laughs) I wonder if anyone could hear that. We clinked. (laughs) We have some really exciting news guys. We do. Yeah. Can you tell we're excited? <laughs> we are doing our first official live event. Very exciting. So we are going to be putting on an event at the Prince Hotel in St Kilda in Melbourne. And we are going to be chatting all things sustainable investing with a panel of wonderful people. We know how important investing sustainably and aligning your investments with your values are for you. So we're going to be talking through all these kinds of things with our expert panelists. So if you are interested in buying tickets, there's limited amounts available. They will be in the link in our bio on our Instagram at YIGC podcast. And we'll also pop them in the show notes. Tickets are $25. And of course, you get a glass of wine or a beer on entry. And we're going to have a little competition that's running. So keep your eye out for what you could be winning because it's actually a great prize. (laughs) (laughs) So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're kind of digesting a couple of the news stories that we have seen lately because the news cycle has been like full on. (laughs) There's been so much happening and like really big companies as well. Massive news. Yeah. But I thought maybe we could change it up a little bit before we do get started. And we never really recommend things besides in our summer series, which by the way, if you haven't listened to the summer series, you're new to investing, please go have a look at the investing conversations every millennial should have because it'll get you set up for the conversations that we are having. Yeah, it goes right back to the start of like how to get started investing. And we had so much fun recording it. And I think if you are new to this world, would highly recommend giving that a listen. So is that your little bias? Yeah. Is that the right bias? Bias? Yeah, Play. bias recommendation. Yeah, nice. <laughs> But I was going to ask you, do you have any other recommendations at the moment? Like not, not investing 
related yeah okay not investing related so over all of these holidays that we've been having i have been taking the opportunity to switch off and i've been listening to the podcast called the imperfects have you heard of it i've heard of it because you've like sent me lots of recommendations (laughs) and i haven't opened it yet oh it's so beautiful it's just so it's run by hugh van kylenberg his brother josh van van kylenberg and ryan shelton and in fact, every every topic, every episode is a new topic, but they interview people and they really tell beautiful stories. I would recommend listening to the Kate Langbrook one. That was like extremely heartwarming and just a beautiful story. But yeah, any of those episodes are just great. I feel like I've heard the names before. Is it, do they run a charity? Hugh Van Kallenberg does the Resilience Project, right. which right, is right, also right. awesome. I just, to be honest, I feel like I've consumed all of his content. <laughs> I just love it. I need to start listening to what you sent me (laughs) yeah but then I also have been listening to which is a little bit more switched on I guess um the new podcast by the Daily Oz called No Silly Questions yeah we do have an election coming up in Australia and I am a bit ashamed to say that my politics knowledge is pretty horrific yes but I'm loving learning about it and it like breaks things down so simply, like the difference between left and right, labor and liberal, like what's the house of reps? Like it is just so good and it's making me feel like I actually understand the world of politics, which for so long I've kind of just been putting off looking into because I it just kind of felt too surmountable. Yeah, that's so funny because it's the same thing as like investing when people say like, oh, I'd feel so worried about asking this question. I'm like, don't feel worried about yeah. it. Like ask it. Then I'm like politics. I'm like, I don't want to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> so true. But yeah, go highly recommend going to listen to No Silly Questions. It is a great podcast. What about Lovely. you? Okay, so I messaged into my girls group the other day because I was just having one of those days and I was like, someone give me a podcast recommendation that isn't financial or political. (laughs) I mean, it is quite hard sometimes. I feel like I really get into like a cycle of... (laughs) very easy. Anyway, I got recommended by a couple of them, Normal Gossip. Ooh, And pretty much they speak about anonymous gossip stories. So people from around the world like submit their own gossip and then they kind of like delve into it. I love it. (laughs) And like... I binged it's only one season but I binged the whole thing or most of it anyway and it's just like such easy listening it's just like there's something about listening to other people's problems yeah. that makes you feel really good <laughs> makes your problems feel less yeah I'm like oh my god they went through that and I didn't have to go through that <laughs> love it and I mean we are an investing podcast so what have you been listening to anything different that is more on the investing train yes I've actually been listening to invest like the best ah. by Patrick O'Shannon I'm gonna say his last name wrong O'Shaughnessy O'Shaughnessy yeah, O'Shaughnessy, O'Shaughnessy? Yeah, yeah I'm not sure he I mean it's one of those ones where, you, where you're listening and you've really got to be switched on because mm. like he has very intelligent people talking but like the perspectives that are brought in are incredible and I love the podcast I've always loved the podcast but I've been listening to it a little bit more recently I've had some long drives and they're kind of like hour-long yeah, nice. podcasts so yeah I actually think I remember you sent me one of those like maybe a year or so ago and I've only listened to one from memory, but I think it was about like the sports betting industry and yeah. how it was really taking off in the US. Super interesting. Yeah. So that's my recommendation for you, Dars. Love it. <laughs> so if I do have a story for you before we get into today's episode. Oh, God. 
I was out for dinner last night with two good friends, Phoebe and Bella. And Phoebe... Shout out to you guys. Shout out to my good friends. No, my only friends. No. What am um, I? My colleague. No. Anyway, derailed. I was out for dinner with Phoebe and Bella and Phoebe's like, Maddie, I've been making YGC mainstream. And I was like... Oh, yeah. Like, thinking what maybe she's been, mean? like, recommending, what, like, listening to YJC to friends. And I was like, cool, like, good supportive friend. And she's like, no, no, I mean, like, the term. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, told me this story that on the weekend her, they went away and um, the weather wasn't that good. And apparently her mum was like, oh, like, I wish the weather was better. And she goes, yeah, but mum, like, YJC. <laughs> So oh, just making it an anything word. <laughs> no, it's like, yeah, but mom, you're in good company, so it's fine. Oh, my God. I didn't get it. Come on. <laughs> and then so last night we're out for dinner and we had to sit outside. It was a bit cold. And, she was, and I was kind of being like, oh, it's a bit cold. She's like, yeah, but Mads, why JC? Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> How good is it? I didn't get it. But it's like but you're in good company. If you're yeah, in a bad situation, at least exactly. you're in good company. <laughs> I'm starting that. <laughs> So if any, any of our listeners want to join on this YJC trend, I am all about it. Imagine just hearing that in public. Someone's oh, like, oh, YJC? <laughs> but I kind of feel like we can't say it. Like, it's a bit lame. Oh, no. Definitely. <laughs> Bias plug yet again. Okay, great. So as I mentioned, we're going to kind of talk about two big news stories today, just because people have been asking about them. I think it's like kind of fun to talk through them. There's been a lot happening in the Elon Musk world and I feel like it's really risky business, us recording this on, what is it, Thursday yeah. the 21st? Is that True. right? Yep, Thursday the 21st. And it's this episode's being released Tuesday the 26th. Yeah. So just a disclaimer. That is five full days of Musk to go rogue on us if once again. If anything changes, we have made this disclaimer. But what can you give us a rundown on what's happening in Musk's world at the moment? Yes. So going back to January, Elon Musk has actually been acquiring stock in Twitter since Jan. And then by around mid-March, he had accumulated over a 5% stake in the company. And when you accumulate 5% in a company in the US, you actually have to declare your holding to the SEC. He didn't do that. Um, He missed the declaration date by about 10 days. But in the meantime, he started criticizing Twitter and asking lots of questions about Twitter on Twitter, (laughs) keeping in mind that his ownership still wasn't public. So he was saying things like, free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? And is a new platform needed? (laughs) (laughs) So he's like acquiring stock in something because he obviously like believes in it, but he's like, well this platform isn't good enough. So weird. Anyway, then on April 4th, it becomes public that he has now got a 9% stake in Twitter and he's invited to join the board and Musk agrees. Four days later, he then comes out and rejects the board seat. And I think what is relevant to note here is that part of the board agreement meant that he couldn't acquire more than a 14.9% stake in the company. Yeah, and I also think it's really important to note that like, it's like you're the management of the company. So if Elon became a part of Twitter's board, he would be a part of like a lot of their decision making about where the company would go. But the Twitter board is made up of an eclectic group of you know, a lot of people, it wouldn't just be him who was making all the decisions. Yeah. And I guess he'd have a lot more responsibility and like, you know, need to report to shareholders as well. So a lot more accountability for his actions. Which I don't think he likes. No. (laughs) Well, evidently, because then on April 14th, 
commence hostile takeover. Musk offered to buy Twitter, valuing it at $43 billion, trying to take the company private. And this is where I really found it so interesting because, okay, I get the hostile takeover bit, which is, you know, when someone comes in, they present to the shareholders and they say, I want to buy this company. I'm going to buy the shares usually at a premium. So shareholders might say, okay, we want to be a part of this deal because we're going to be getting bang for our buck. But what I was really confused about and what I really was interested in researching is why does he want to make such a big public company private? It's not like it's an unusual thing. It's happened before and it can happen very like easily, I guess. But it's like, what's the rationale behind the privacy bit? To take a step back slightly, hostile takeovers can happen in two ways. So they can either be done by going directly to the company's shareholders with an offer to buy their shares for a certain price, which is what Musk did. Or you can also sort of go about it in a way where I guess you attack the company management and you just outright try and replace them. And then, like you said, the question is why? Well, it's sort of two things. Usually there's a belief that the company is undervalued or it's when shareholders really want a change in the company. And I think that's probably where Musk is really going with this one. Yeah, but it's interesting because it's like the share when you talk about shareholders in Twitter, it's like, you know, millions of people. Like I think it's more Musk wanting the change in the company you know like he did do a poll that said you know is do you think that this is a platform of free speech and like 70 percent of people said no so that was obviously saying Mm. that a lot of shareholders thought that it wasn't a free speech platform but I really feel behind this is that he is so obsessed with free speech he has been his whole career on any social media platform and he feels like he kind of has this like autonomy to be able to take something private to like almost do it for his own benefit. Mm. I don't know. What are your thoughts about why he wants to take it private? Well, I guess I wonder whether he cares about free speech or like free speech for him because he's obviously like can be quite rogue on Twitter and he's probably seen how Trump has been taken off the platform before. Like initially, at least I really thought maybe this is a play to make sure that he doesn't find himself in the same position. Yeah. Interesting. Because he's had a lot of issues with the SEC, for example. Yes. Um, the SEC is like the US ASIC. They, they regulate the markets. And I guess for some context there, like Elon has gone on Twitter before and been like, you know, I'm going to float Tesla for 420 because he was making a joke about cannabis. And then the SEC got involved being like, well, you can't just like tell everyone what the share price is going to be <laughs> because that's manipulating the markets. Oh, and he's been in battles with the SEC for, you know, I don't even know how many years, but many years now. So that's interesting that you think it's because he's worried that he might get banned from the platform. Mm. Why do you think he wants to take it private as opposed to just, I guess, becoming more involved in the management? Yeah, I think it really comes down to kind of that autonomy. Like if you are a public company, you kind of do need to make sure that you're doing things to satisfy the shareholders. I guess at the end of the day, a position on the board is to make sure that your shareholders are satisfied and all the decisions you make are usually to, you know, make it a profitable company. Mm. But for him, I think he's not so worried about profits as much. And I think taking Twitter private would make it unprofitable, you know, to begin with at least. He is so much more concerned with our society being in a certain way, you Mm. know, rather than like what a company is to make money for other people. So I think the private argument just really comes down to the fact, in my in my mind, it comes down to the fact that he can't dictate what a public company does because he has to look out for other people's opinions. But if it's private, he doesn't have to account for like what other people are thinking. Mm. 
You spoke about making money there for shareholders. And I think I read something interesting the other day about how the platform relies quite heavily on ad revenue, Mm. which has kind of led the board in the past to have to censor certain people, like we spoke about Trump before, and speech in order just to keep companies on board in terms of like wanting to advertise on Twitter. We saw a lot of, I guess, backlash with what was happening with Trump, um, especially over like election times, and then Twitter completely banned him. So I think maybe that's one element of them being like, if advertisers aren't going to like what people are talking about on our platform, then they're not going to come to us and we're not going to be able to make money. Yeah. Let's talk about now how Twitter has responded, because I feel like this is where it really gets exciting in the whole like hostile takeover world. (laughs) So when companies are targeted for a hostile takeover, there are a few different defenses that they can kind of try to use. And one such mechanism is called the poison pill. It's so funny that you say like defense mechanism. It's like they've gone to battle. (laughs) I think I've seen this um, being called, what is it? The Game of Thrones between Musk and Twitter. (laughs) has gone into battle and their defense is the poison pill. I know. Well, I was actually chatting to a family friend on the weekend and she used to be a lawyer and she was saying like, because we were discussing about the whole hostile takeover situation and she was saying that she used to work on them both on the attacking and defensive side. And she was like, it's so exciting. (laughs) So tell us, run us through in layman's terms, what does a poison pill mean? So basically Elon has come in and made a really great offer to shareholders with his $43 billion offer to buy because shareholders might be interested in selling at this higher price. Like we talked about, they're getting a premium. So the poison pill gives existing shareholders the right to purchase additional shares at a discount. So it makes the shares unfavorable to Elon or the acquiring person, as well as making the costs of buying out the company much higher because there's more shares, there's more logistics to work through. Yeah, so pretty much the board issues more shares because they're allowed to do that. They cut up the same piece of pie but into smaller pieces. And because Elon's coming in being like, I'm paying for X amount of shares, if there's more shares, he has to pay that same X amount for more shares, making it more expensive. So juicy. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like everyone on Wall Street right now is like, oh my God. But interestingly, actually, so the thing is with Musk, like his net worth is around 260 billion US dollars, which is a lot of money. And this company is going for $43 billion. So one would say, why can't he just buy it? Like so easy. But interestingly, with, you know, a lot of hostile takeovers, people actually have to raise money. And in Musk's case, all of his net worth is really tied up into like Tesla and SpaceX. I think I read that his actual liquid assets or like say cash that he has is like $3 billion, which is a lot <laughs> so of money. money. Like it's so much money, but, but it's not $43 billion. Yeah, exactly. He can't afford Twitter. <laughs> yeah, he can't afford Twitter on his own. And a lot of um, private equity, you know, the firms that will invest money into companies to flip them and grow them um, so investors can make money have actually said no to help Musk raise the cash and the reason behind it is because a lot of them are saying they don't think Twitter will be profitable as a private company. Mm. Well, I think that leads us nicely into, I guess, discussing whether like Musk's valuation of Twitter is accurate. And the AFI is reporting that Australia's tech investors believe that Musk's takeover offer for Twitter doesn't actually reflect the true value of the inherent business were it to be run successfully. So I guess they think that there's a lot more potential in Twitter than how it's being run currently. 
Alex Polak, who is the chief investment officer of Loftus Peak, said it's a low ball offer. And Gareth Brown, portfolio manager at Forager Funds, said that at $54.20 a share, the bid is probably a fair price for how Twitter is run today. But I think it falls short, a long way short, of the fair value for Twitter run more intelligently and with a sharper focus on shareholder wealth creation. So what's interesting there is like they these people are saying that they want to see Twitter run in a different direction. Mm. They think it could do better, but maybe they don't believe Musk is necessarily the right person to lead them in that direction. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, John Lobb, a portfolio manager at InSync Funds Management, has said that the earnings per share is going to need to grow at 15% a year to basically justify this valuation. So the company needs to grow up 15% per year for 10 years. Yes, which... Looking at the last few years, it really has not been going on that trend. So between 2021, there was an 80% decline from 2020 and the year before there was an 177% decline. So what you're saying is Twitter has been on the downhill. Twitter has been going backwards and this valuation really needs it to keep going forward in order to justify. <laughs> okay, so as I said, we've recorded on Thursday. I would love Stay to tuned. Yeah, we'll do an Instagram post, jump into our Facebook group because we will definitely be discussing this one because things are going to change in the next five days. I can feel it and I can't wait to see where things go. It's so juicy. <laughs> And on that note, let's take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back after the break to discuss whether or not we have seen the end of Netflix. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. All right, <laughs> we're jumping into Netflix. We feel like it's something we've added to our watch list before. Yeah, I think that was me. <laughs> but the watch list is just to watch what yeah, happens. Exactly. It's not. <laughs> and it's for educational purposes only. <laughs> exactly. And does not constitute financial advice. <laughs> okay, so if you haven't been reading the news, what has been happening with our beloved streaming service, Netflix? Yeah, so Netflix announced mid last week that subscriber growth has gone backwards for the first time in more than a decade. So they came out and announced that they lost 200,000 customers in the first quarter of this year. 
But I think what is even bigger news is that they're projecting that they're going to lose another 2 million customers in the current second quarter, which is setting them up for their worst ever year as a public company. Yeah, and it's interesting because I was listening to something about this and they were saying that in their investor reports, you know, things that they write up for investors before they, you know, their predictions for the year and whatever else, they didn't predict like customer loss like this at all. No, I think they flagged a slowdown, which Mm. is why... So the share price was actually already down around 40% this year. Wow. And the thing is with Netflix is subscriber growth or subscriber numbers has a massive impact on the share price. So when they came out at the start of the year and said that they expected a weakening around subscriber growth that was the response we got so when they came out with last week's announcement the shares tumbled by 35 percent and if you haven't seen it i actually recommend just typing into google netflix share price and when you look at that chart it literally looks like the edge of a cliff (laughs) the drop is so hectic but i mean i guess to contextualize this a little bit netflix did have an incredible run in 2020 and 2020 bit of 2021 because we were all locked up inside we couldn't do anything else we had to turn to our streaming services like yeah I guess this prediction of like such a big loss is something that's hard for them to I guess fathom but like we, I guess we always knew that companies like this like companies like Zoom or like I don't know Peloton were always going to have a time where they were going to be downfall because they experienced such ridiculous growth yeah it's so true I think probably the difference with Netflix is that at least in my mind, it was kind of up there with like the Spotify's and the Googles and the Apples or like at least heading in that direction. Yeah. So I think to see it kind of like fail in the last quarter, that's a strong word, but like to, you know, so shook up, (laughs) shook up. (laughs) No, I agree. I feel like it's, you know, I heard someone say that it's like they were a disruptor in the industry and now they're being completely disrupted. But I'm curious why, are we seeing such a big drop in subscriber numbers? Yeah, so in a letter to shareholders, Netflix attempted to explain the declines. So there were a few things that they sort of attributed it to. Um, One was with around 222 million paying subscribers worldwide, Netflix is saying that it actually might be close to like its ceiling when it comes to subscribers. Like they've got like quite a large portion of the population and they actually might not be able to continue to get more people. Yeah. This is also off the back of massive growing competition in streaming services. We know that there are so many players in the space now, it's quite saturated. So, you know, naturally people are going to be sort of splitting off between the different services. Yeah. And I think one interesting thing that we've spoken about before, and I don't know if it was on an episode or if it was just in one of our conversations, but we kind of spoke about the fact that like Netflix is, you know, quite prominent in like a lot of the Western markets, like the US, Australia, the UK, and a part of its strategy is to kind of try and infiltrate into, you know, other economies and in a lot of situations it's actually failed in doing so like I've been reading a lot about it being in the Indian market or in India and it's failed to kind of really make a presence there because it hasn't really like latched onto the idiosyncrasies of I guess Indian society or Indian culture and then that is a whole bunch of subscriber growth that they haven't been able to get which would be Mm. you know propelling them to that next phase of growth Yeah, and I guess that's been a huge focus of theirs, like you said, which was probably, you know, 
looking quite promising for investors and shareholders that they were going to be able to penetrate that area, whereas it seems like maybe they're not having so much success in doing so. Yeah. Another interesting thing that I read was, which I just laughed at because I'm like, this is me. But password sharing? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's never had qualms about password sharing before, but it's I now know. like everyone password shares, no one pays. <laughs> I saw a funny tweet. I can't remember where it was. And it was like screenshotting a tweet that Netflix did a few years ago. And it was like, love is sharing your Netflix password or something like that. And it was like, this didn't age well. (laughs) Now they're like, buy our servers. But basically, if you are a little bit lost, what we are talking about here is Netflix actually believes that 100 million households are using Netflix without their own subscription. So Netflix is designed to be shared within households, but not between them. And they're currently actually trialing a crackdown in Chile, Costa Rica and Peru to try and figure this out because it's costing them a lot of money. Well, yeah, I was going to say, surely there's some technology that would stop you from sharing a password. I know with other streaming services, you can't like share your password at all it's like it's only two devices Mm. so it's obviously they could be doing something like that but it's so funny because when I think about me using Netflix I think I do that so I'm not paying Netflix anything and then I'm like well how do they make revenue you know it's interesting to like kind of apply your own circumstances to a company well you talk about how Netflix is making money and this actually leads us nicely to something that they are suggesting might be the answer to the problems they're having at the moment and that is ads yes which if you don't know about you know netflix and their history they have always said we are never ever going to have ads on our platform and surprise surprise here we are (laughs) they have now come out so in a call with investors the netflix co-founder said that it would consider a cheaper netflix subscription option where you basically watch ads and you get a cheaper price Yeah. I know that Disney came out a while ago saying that they're going to have a kind of ad subscription service or a non-ad subscription service where you pay more. And I think the fundamentals of this is that advertising can bring in so much money. And Mm. when streaming services don't have that source of revenue, it can really impact them. And as we've seen, it really depends on how many subscribers they have, which is just a non-diversified model. We actually polled YIGC listeners and 66% of you were against ads on Netflix, whilst 20% said that they believed it was worth it to save money and 14% are free riding off other people's accounts. <laughs> I think that's you and me both. I am in the 14%. <laughs> it's so funny though, because I feel like I watch like daytime TV now, which is pretty rare, honestly. What? But like, you know, when it's just like when the news is on or like sorry I shouldn't say daytime <laughs> like not, what <laughs> not in the middle of the day you know like just when the news is on or like free to air like I'm, I'm never really free watching to air TV, TV. But yeah <laughs> and I see the ads and I'm always like this is yeah. so annoying like I'm watching the football and I'm like why yeah <laughs> I am um, the one thing I do actually watch on free to air and love is survivor mm. but every time it gets me like I'm not used to watching ads and it's jarring especially in the finale it's like Every two seconds, there's a new add-on. I'm like, oh, well, that's the thing. Me. The ads are so there's so many of them. Yeah. It's not just like you know, you get ten minutes and it's an ad. It's like you get one minute and then there's ten minutes of ads. Another really interesting thing that I read about about Netflix is that obviously at the moment, what's happening with the conflict over in Europe, that they Netflix pulled out of Russia, and I mean they have a very large population of people, so that kind of would have been a part would have aided towards that amount of people that are now no longer no longer subscribed i think there were seven hundred thousand customers yeah so it's interesting to see i guess like 
these companies are trying to have an impact on what's happening there and it also impacts them in a in a different way. And I guess if you are an investor in a company like that, it's like you're weighing up what's really important to you. Some people would say the profits are and some people would say, well, no, because you know, they're sticking to what I value. I think it's good to note that the Disney share price off the back of this news was also down around 6% as that time of recording. So obviously what we're seeing in the Netflix space is kind of having flow-on implications for broader streaming services because I guess similar trends are expected to apply to all of them. Yeah, 100%. I think any investor would be looking forward saying if Netflix is struggling with this, then why wouldn't other streaming services? Twitter... Netflix, probably going to be very different news in the next couple yeah. of days. Maybe we should do an update episode oh next God. week. We'll just be always four days behind the latest. But interesting to hear, also interesting to know whether you guys like us talking about, you know, news events. I think it's really interesting when we speak about it. If it's something that you like, please reach out and DM us. Let us know. We can do more of these. We love talking about these things. Or we can do less of them, I guess. But yeah. we do enjoy talking about also it. Also DM and say that was not interesting. <laughs> but if you do enjoy hearing about the news, it would be remiss of us to not also suggest that you head across to The Dive. It is the latest podcast in the Equity Mates Media Network. They are breaking down the biggest news stories of the week three times a week at 5pm, ready for your commute home it is hosted by the wonderful sasha kelly aka producer sash and i have already binged all five episodes that were released on launch day and i must say i am a big fan yeah your personal instagram has been like <laughs> listen to the dive I'm, hey, I'm just trying to support i love it no they're actually great episodes and if you ever want to chat with us guys come onto our instagram at yigc podcast jump into our facebook group yigc investing podcast discussion group we love chatting and we will catch you next week goodbye you're in good company is a product of equity mates media all information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only it is not intended as a substitute for professional finance legal or tax advice the hosts of you're in good company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances before making any financial decisions you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary consult a licensed financial professional do not take financial advice from a podcast for more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.